lighting the candle of hope and the candle of peace today. Christ is our hope. Christ is our peace. Peace on earth. Goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. Um, so I, uh, I wanted to say, uh, in terms of opening, uh, just what a... I'm thankful for Advent because in the midst of busyness and temptations towards other things, it's so helpful to refocus and remember Christ and what the coming of Christ means and the true meaning behind this season that we celebrate. And it's been really helpful for me. And even just this morning, um, from our from our opening and uh, and reading John chapter 1, back and forth with each other, and the songs, the selection of songs, the deliverance of the songs, um, just really beautiful worship this morning, and, uh, and John and Chris, thank you for blessing us in that way, it's just, it's been a huge blessing for me, it, that's, in reading and in preparing, that's what Advent is for, is to refocus our hearts on the meaning of this season to refocus our hearts on Christ. And that's what I, that's what my desire is, is that we would together worship and see Christ anew in, in God's word. And so um, you can go ahead and turn with me, if you will, to John chapter one. Um, we're going to move into John's gospel and spend some time in the prologue of John's gospel this morning. Um, he begins his gospel account differently than the other three. Uh, Rather than starting just with narrative and going through the events of leading up to Christ's birth or Christ's ministry, John begins with a theological uh, prologue that unpacks a lot of who Christ is and and what God has done through Jesus and then leads into a brief summary of what John is going to write about in his gospel, the events that he's going to include. And so he, there's a focus in, in these verses just on Jesus Christ, on who he is, on what he's done. And so it's a, it's a chance for us at Advent just to, to, to gather under this word and to remember together and to look forward together, uh, even as we look back to, to, who, to what Jesus has done already for us. Um, so if you're... If you'll uh, turn there with me and if you'll stand with me as we read together God's word. John chapter 1. God's word says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. We pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the word who was in the beginning and is now and is to come. Thank you for the word that's before us today and for for Christ who is come, whose advent changes everything for us, upon whom we place our hope and our hope of, of peace and joy and love all in this season. I pray that as we read this together, as we spend this time together, that you would work in our hearts. You would take your word and you would magnify Christ in our hearts, that you would show us new glories in your word, that you would change us and shape us according to the image of Christ, that we might glorify you, that our joy in him might increase. I thank you for this time, for this church. And I thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you. So John begins, as I said, a little bit differently than the the other Gospels, that he opens with this, this prologue that starts to unpack who Jesus is. John's gospel as a whole um, is is written he says in in chapter 20 and verse 31 that you may believe that you may know these things about Jesus and that you may believe that you may have faith so John gives throughout the entire gospel an explanation about Jesus Um, several I am statements come up in in the gospel of John and, and foundational things about who Jesus is are hung on these I am statements I am the truth I am the life I am the way I am the bread of life, and so on. And John opens differently because he's going to really zoom in on who, who Jesus is and, and then give a summary of um, some of the, the, the big truths that he's going to, to write about in this book. So he begins, rather than with a narrative of what's happening on earth, John begins by lifting our minds up to heavenly things of who Jesus is. He takes us back to to the very beginning, really before the beginning. So he begins with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This this Word that John speaks about refers to Christ. It's the Greek logos that can mean uttered by a living voice. It can mean the embodiment of an idea. It can mean the sayings of God. So the Old Testament prophecies, this is how this would have landed on John's Jewish readers. He was writing to both Jews and Greeks, but it would call to mind the Old Testament prophecies. In the beginning was the word of God. It can mean doctrine. It can mean, especially for the Greek readers, reason or the, the opening up or enlightening of the intellect. And so as he, as he writes to both Jews and Greeks, um, 
the Jews would have, would have, it would have been common for them to associate the word, this, this phrase, um, logos, with the word of God and God's word with God himself. So it wasn't uncommon um, for, for the, those two phrases to be linked. So um, the, the Jewish reader would hear this and it would hearken not only the Old Testament prophecies or the, or the sayings of God, but the movement, the, the, um, the power in, in God himself as he speaks his word. To the Greek here, again, the word could mean reason and, or the power that puts sense into the world. They might hear the word, the power that puts sense into the world. So for both Jews and Greeks, John is saying, for centuries you've been talking about this word, and now I'm going to tell you who he is. I'm going to explain who this word is. And so further from the, from the context here in these verses, we see that the word is eternal. He's in the beginning. Twice, John says, he's in the beginning, and then he is in the beginning with God. This is the, the eternal word, the, the word that had, no, that had no beginning, that was not created. We see that also in that he, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So he is the uncreated creator. He's the mover. He's the, the creator who, through whom all things came. We see that the word is in relationship with God. The word was with God. And we see that the word is equal with God. The word was with God and the word was God. And we see we, we need to grab onto this. We need to know this about Christ that because there are so many misconceptions and there are so many who would deny who would allow for yes Jesus was a man who walked the earth but would deny Jesus deity or deny Jesus power or deny his his lordship but John makes it clear no the word this is the word that was in the beginning then he begins to explain more about him in him was life and that life was the light of men. This, the word for life is not just um, biological life, but the source of life. This is the word who is through whom life comes, the origin of life. This echoes what Jesus says of himself in John chapter 14, that I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus says in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. He says in John 10, verse 10, I've come to give them life and that they may have life to the full or life more abundantly. And this life was the light of men. And I just so appreciate the, as we sang this morning, so many songs having this, this theme of the light coming into the world. John talks about the light. Again, similarly to life, this isn't just something that emits light or has light with it, but this is a, a source of light. The word is the light. He's the true light, it says in verse 9, that's coming into the world. This is the light that illuminates. This can, this can mean literal light, and it can mean uh, the, the enlightening of the mind or the heart, the opening of, of the mind to, to, be, to see light. He's the light of the world. 
In John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows him will have the light. This isn't an aspect of Christ only, but this is Jesus is the light. We look in, in Revelation and see that there's no sun in the new heavens and the new earth. There's no need of a sun. He is the light. Christ is, is our light. And John moves from there and begins to, to show us what this, who this light is and what this light means. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. That, that makes sense. That's where light is needed, right? We, we notice the light more when, uh, when we're in the darkness. And this darkness, that's, it's an, an interesting word as well that can, can mean just dark. It can mean that kind of dark that there's a want of light. There's a desire for light to come in. Um, if you've been back into a, a cave somewhere and you get back in, in there and you turn out all the lights and you just let the darkness kind of settle in and sink in around you, you start to feel that desire. I, I want to see your eyes are straining. I want to see some light. Our eyes don't work without the light. We can't see anything until the light has come. There's a, a desire for light to come into this darkness. It can also mean, this darkness, that it's an ignorance of divine things. It's an un- unknowing of the things of God. And it can also mean wickedness. These, the, these light and dark concepts also would have resonated with both Jews and Greeks. For the Greeks, they associated darkness with ignorance or unenlightened. And the Jews knew through the prophecies of of Isaiah and others, that darkness was associated with, with, uh, with wickedness. People walking in darkness have seen a great light in Isaiah 9. And they would have known also in the creation account. And this is, John begins his gospel the same way that, uh, that the book of Genesis begins, in, with this phrase, in the beginning. And it's interesting, as we're talking about the light of the world, as we go back to Genesis 1, in the beginning is... Uh, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. So the Jews, in their mind, would have thought back to the, the original creation of the world. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and God said, so the word went forth, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. So even back to, to the very beginning, God, all of God's creating was on a backdrop of darkness, and it was into this darkness that he introduces light. And he saw the light, and the light was good. And in response to that, in, in the book of Genesis, the light comes in, and the darkness is scattered. God separated the, the light from the dark, calling the light day and the darkness night. So in this gospel recreation that we see in in John, he introduces the light of the world. And what's the response here? In the same way, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And we need to to kind of pause on this word. There's a couple of different translations for this this word, um, overcome. 
So it's in the in the Greek. It's it's a pretty fun one. Katalambano. Um, so Katalambano literally translated is something it's a difficult one to translate but it's something like lay hold of take hold of get your uh bring to yourself get your your hands and your arms around it can mean comprehend so that translation that um some of our our translations has that's that's valid and helpful um and it can mean overcome or overtake so in in this situation so maybe the Maybe the dark world, if we, if we follow that out, um, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Well, maybe we could translate that the darkness has not comprehended it. The darkness didn't understand it. Uh, maybe the dark world just sort of innocently misunderstood, right? Maybe the dark world just sort of missed what the light was about. But no, Jesus himself explains differently to Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, he says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed so we can't write it the the darkness has not overcome it means more than just that the darkness hasn't comprehended but jesus says the darkness hates the light the darkness didn't just fail to get it or to comprehend it the darkness hated that the light was coming But we can take great comfort in that, that the light that God sends forth, the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness will not overcome it. So as the, just as in Genesis, God speaks light into the, into the created world and the darkness scattered, God is sending light in the light of the world in, and the dark world has no more power to stop the light of the world than the dark face of the deep had power to stop God's light in Genesis. If God is, if God's word and God's powerful word is saying, let there be light into this dark world, there will be light and the darkness will not overcome it. No matter the depth of the darkness, the dawn of God's light was coming into the world. And now, or presently in, in John's gospel, some 2,000 years ago for us, God is sending a forerunner to prepare the way as the light of the world comes. So John the Baptist says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So John, John the Baptist, as we know him, he comes as a witness about the light. John's, the, John the author, there's two Johns at work here. Um, John, the author, dis, uh, John the author discussing John the Baptist connects all of this backdrop of uh, the theology of the light and the word to events that are about to take place as John unpacks his, his gospel. So against the backdrop of the word and the light, he brings us into this moment in history. It says, John was sent. That's the, the Greek um, apostello. He was sent by God. He was sent on this mission by God to prepare the way for the light to come. And how was that, how was that taking place? What was his what was the, the meat of his, his mission was to come and to bear witness about the light, 
to testify about the light. It's the, it, it has the idea of sitting on that witness stand in a courtroom saying, these, these are the facts about what I'm, what I'm testifying about. He says, this, he was sent to bear witness. He was sent to remind people of the thousands of years of history and the thousands of words of prophecy telling about how the light would come into the world. So John was sent as this forerunner to prepare, to, to prepare the hearts of the people for the light to come. And he does that by testifying over and over to who Jesus is, to what Jesus has come to do. As you read further in the Gospel of John, it's, it's really neat to follow John the Baptist's ministry as he just continually points people to, to Christ. He's there, he's baptizing, and he sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then there's a, just a few verses later, we read that two of John's disciples get up and seeing after John points them to Jesus, they get up and they go and they follow Jesus. And there's no hint of John saying, well, where, where are you going? That's, well, we, had a, we had a good thing going here. No, he sends them where he wants them to go because that's the mission of his message and his life is to testify, this is the Christ. It said, just, just as it says here, John was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Later on in our passage, John says, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. So John says, He who's coming after I'm I'm here to tell you about somebody who's coming. He's coming after me, but he was he he ranks before me. He's he ranks higher than I do because he was, and that word that we translate was, he existed. He he is before me. John knows who he's dealing with in Jesus Christ. He says, this is he who's coming. He's coming after. I'm preparing you to, to see him. But he was there in the beginning. This is the word. This is the light of the world. So prepare your hearts to, to, to see him. So surely then, with all this preparation, with all this setup that God has been doing over the course of history, surely the world must be ready to receive the light, right? Not so. In verses 9 through 11, it says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So this is the great revelation, right? The world will see the light now. This, this world that's been living in darkness for the Jews, these 400 years of silence that have led up to the coming of Christ, and for, for the Greeks in their unknowing of, of who God is, the, here's the great revelation. The world surely will see the light. Surely they'll know the light when he comes onto the scene. But he says, he was in the world, and the world, the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. They, they missed it. They didn't recognize him. They didn't know him. By and large, the, the cosmos missed the coming of its creator. He came to his world. This is the world that he created. Christ, the, the word of God, the, create, the creator, comes to his world and they don't, they don't even know him. But that isn't all. It says in verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. He came to his own. This is the people of his belonging. We could this could be translated, he came home. He came to his people. 
This should have been his family. He came to, to his Israel. Of all the people in the world, these are his people. I mean, this is Israel. This is Israel that we know chosen by God. This is Israel descended from Abraham. This is Israel who was delivered from Egypt. This is Israel who had the law and the prophets and all that, that God had given them to recognize when the Messiah would come. These are his people. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. This is the same a variation of the same world as overcome, the same word as overcome earlier. Did not receive. They, they did not lay hold of him. They did not embrace him as they as they should have done. And the 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 word not in the Greek is the, not. It's not just that it didn't happen. It's the expectation is that it should be a positive, and then it switched to a negative. They should have received him. They should have taken him in. They should have seen the the Messiah for who he is. But they they did not. He came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. There's no implication of ignorance in this word. This isn't merely that they didn't know him as the, as the world, as the cosmos, but that they rejected him, which is consistent with, our, with the prophecies. He was despised and rejected among men. we've seen this so much through Matthew's gospel, haven't we? Again and again, Jesus reveals, this is who I am. This is what I've come to do. Here here are the the prophecy. Here's my fulfillment of the prophecies. And the, and the, the Jews reject him. Find every excuse to, to write him off as, as coming even from as, as a crazy man or even demonic. They hated the light. They hated Christ. He came to his own people. He came home. And they didn't receive him. But there's hope in this. Some, it says, did receive him. And to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, Some did receive him. To those who believed in his name. To those who did lay hold of him. This is the only time that this word is used in the positive in this whole passage. They did take hold of him. They did believe and receive Christ as who who he is. So to to those who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. He had the power to give them the right to become children of God. He, he, the, bec- this word becoming the children of God is more than just, uh, it's, it's not a, as the, as the passage shows us, it's not just natural birth, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but this is a recreating. This is the same word that's used for, uh, in the beginning was the word, um, and all things were, were made through him. All things were made, all things were created through him, came into being through him. These children of God come into being by the power of the light of the world, the, the word of God here. He had the power and he gave the power for them to be cre- recreated as children of God, born not of blood, not of flesh, not of man, but born of God. 
So how does it, how does it all connect? This, this coming on the scene, the, the, the light coming into the world and the rejection of the light or the not knowing, not recognizing the light by the world and, the, and those who did receive him being born again, how does all of it connect? It all leads up and climaxes here in verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh. This is, that's the same flesh that the, the rebirth is not of the flesh. The word, the logos became flesh, became a carnal human. The eternal word of God was made as a carnal human. God became flesh. This is Christmas. This is, is the advent, the, the, the thrust of the advent, meaning that God descended. God became man. God reached into the world. The light of the world came into his world through the womb of a woman. We should be amazed by, by that statement. The word became flesh. This is the great revelation. It seems odd, doesn't it? A baby born of an ordinary woman. This is the great revelation of God. But this is the thrust of John's message and this is the wonder of Christmas. That God, the origin of all, He set the stage in history that He might become a human and dwell among people. Philippians chapter 2 talks about Christ did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself and took on the form of a man, of a servant. Humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. But God became a human, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwell is the same as the word for tabernacle. It means he pitched his tent. So Christ The incarnation of Christ was not a brief visit or a flashy appearance, but he came as he did so that he might live the full experience of humanity, learning humanity and and learning obedience and experiencing every trial of that humanity. Jesus came as a man to live as a man, to, to to know that experience. Hebrews says it this way, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In every respect has been tempted as we are. He he knows every aspect of our trial and temptation and struggle in this life. He came and lived as a man so that he would know the suffering and the, the trials of his brothers. He didn't come for a visit. Jesus, when he came, he moved in. He took up residence with us, first in a human body and in a broken world, so that he might learn our experience and that we might see God's glory. He came in a fragile human body that could be killed, that could be poured out, that could be broken for us, for our sins, so that we would see God's glory in a new way. We have seen, this is the rest of verse 14, we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We have seen His glory. We see in Christ, 
in Christ coming in the incarnation, the, full rev- the fullness of the revelation of God in the face of the Son. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God, the revelation of God, God's glory, all of these glories that are held in the the word, the logos, and the light of, of, of heaven that has come to the world. All of these things that are hard to grasp and hard to for us to ascertain. Paul says we see the light of the knowledge of this glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In Jesus who came as a man. Not just in his in his life on earth, but in in his death, in his resurrection, in his glorification, that the Father has lifted him up to the highest place because he was humbled to the lowest place. Verse 17 says, The law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law revealed much about God. The law showed Israel how holy God is. The law showed his perfection and the law showed his, his expectation. This is what's expected of the people of God. Be perfect as your father is perfect. But the fullness of the revelation comes in Jesus. John says, full of grace and truth. God's grace, God's favor. The angels proclaim peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. How? How for a world that didn't know God and for a people that rejected their God, how can his favor rest upon these people? How can Christ come in grace and truth if he's coming to a people who are despising and rejecting him? How can God's favor rest on these people? Because the son didn't come just to live and experience, but he came to die. And that's the Every Christmas we look also to, to Easter as we think of the, the passion of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. That Christ came in a, in a human body so that he could be poured out for his brothers. So that all who believe, that's, that's what we believe in. That's why we have the table. That's what we remember weekly is that Christ came and lived a perfect life so that he was qualified as the perfect sacrifice And in his perfection and in his obedience laid down his human will so that he might perfectly follow the Father's will all the way to the cross to die there to take the wrath of God that was poured out upon these people who didn't know the light when it came and rejected the light when it came so that they could be redeemed, brought into the family. We are a family of of God through Christ who is our forerunner, who is our brother, who is our only hope and peace in this season. God poured out his wrath on the incarnate word so that we might have a hope that endures beyond the generations. God's favor rests upon people because they've clung to, they've taken hold of, we have taken hold of Christ as our sacrifice, as our hope. Full of grace and full of truth. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. This is, the, this is the truth that we so desperately need. This is the truth of the Father, what he's really like. Jesus is the fullness of the revelation that, 
as he has explained the Father to us in verse 18. The only, son, the only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. The only begotten, the only Son of God who is at the Father's side. That, this means in the Father's bosom. This is more of <laughs> understanding who Jesus is and where Jesus came from. He is, the, he is the only Son of the Father who came from the Father's bosom. He's not a servant who was sent out for, for a, a brief mission. Jesus is the, the only beloved Son of the Father who left his Father's bosom, literally under his Father's arm, to come to lay down his glory, to come to the earth. So who, truly, who knows the Father except the Son? And he has come, it says, and explained him. Jesus has come to make him known. Jesus has unfolded the mysteries for us of the Father. That's, that's what verse 18 means, that he came to explain the Father. He says to Philip, Philip says in John chapter 14, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. And what is Jesus' response? Don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How many times have we seen in, in Matthew, Jesus says, I only do what I see my Father doing. If we've seen the Son, we've seen the Father. So the power of the eternal Word of God and the light of the revelation of God are expressed in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We've seen the Father. So this fullness... This full revelation brings a variety of responses that we've already seen. First from the world, there's a response of ignorance. So many missed him. They didn't recognize the light who came as the light of the world. Or Israel, who had the the revelation also of the the law and the prophets and knew what to look for. When they saw him, they rejected him. They hated him. But to some... To as many as received, as took hold of Christ, he gave the right to become children of God. So in expectation of this season, in the hope of this season, what is our response? What is our application? How do we respond to the word made flesh? This is good news for us, but it's, we have to reckon with this Christ who came into the world to save sinners. So I have two application points for us this week. Take hold and testify. Take hold. This is the, this is the only response, the only hopeful response to Christ. That's what this season is for, is that we would, in seeing the light of the world who has come into the world, in seeing the word made flesh, that we would take hold of him in salvation, yes, but in our in our, in our faith, in our ongoing life, that we would take hold of, of Christ anew. There's so, there's so much to learn and to know of who He is and what He has done. So take hold of Him afresh. That's why Jesus came he, as, and, and came in the way that He did. He, became, he came to us in terms that we could take hold of Him. 
that we could cling to him. Peter says, where else would we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Where else would we go in this season but to take hold again of Christ, to hang on to him like Jacob did to say, I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until you show me something new. I want to know you better. I want to understand this more. I want to know what this is all about. Take hold of Christ. And as we take hold of him, and as we learn more of him, and as we grow more like him, let's take some notes from John the Baptist as well, and let's testify of the hope that we have. This is the time of year when people around us are talking about Jesus And there's a whole lot of ideas about who he is, about what it meant that he came and was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And they may know bits and pieces of the story, but they're missing Christ. They're missing the light of the world. So let's testify. John the Baptist is, I think, my favorite example of testimony that just repeatedly goes to, to Christ. If you follow him in, later in, the, in John chapter 1 and the, um, the teachers and the elders come to John and they say, who are you and what are you doing? He just tells them about Jesus. And they leave and he's, he, says, he says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one who, whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. And they say, well, who, what do you say about yourself? Are you the law? Or are you, the, are you the, the prophet? Are you Elijah? And he's, he says, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make ready the way of the Lord. Point them continuously back to Christ. That's, that's our hope. It's not in ourselves. It's not in a season. It's not in our families. It's in Christ. So point them to Christ. If it's, it's Advent. It's Christmas. We're already looking that direction. So let's explain, as Jesus explained the Father to us, let's, through the Spirit's power, explain Christ to the world, that they might see the light of the world who's come. That's my hope in this season, that God would work redemption even in the midst of all of the distractions that this time of year brings, so that conversations might open up about who was born in a manger and what that means for the world, what that means for us, what that means for eternity. Let's pray. Father, you are gracious and good to give us your word and to give us God more than anything to give us Christ who is our hope who is the light of the world help us Father to see him afresh each day this Advent season and going into a new year to to take hold of him to wrestle with the truths of who Jesus is. The hard things that we see him saying in Matthew, the the wonders and the glories, help us to take hold of him and, and to not let go. And God, help us to testify to the world, to a lost and a dying world, the hope that we have in the incarnation, in the Word made flesh, who tabernacled among us so that He might live and understand us, but so that He might die to save us. Father, we thank You and we we praise You, and it's in and through the, 
the name and the power of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and receive a benediction? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed and stay and eat with us if you can.